Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show. It's Chris Graham and Rod Mullins. It's a Monday, and it's a rare Monday. Well, I'd say rare Monday. We've had a couple of these this year where we're talking NASCAR on a Monday on the day of a race because of a rain out over the weekend. We got the NASCAR race moved back a day. New Hampshire uh, finished up here just a couple hours ago as we're recording and Martin Truex Jr., this isn't a change, Rod. Rod. Martin Truex Jr. is the master of Mondays, it seems like. He won the race again today. He's got two Monday wins this season. And uh, I guess we should put the money down on him if there's if this, if this the race gets pushed back a day. You know, and what's amazing about this too, Chris, is the fact that he had led more than 900 laps at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. That's total without claiming any kind of victory in 29 previous starts at that track yeah. uh, on that 1.058 oval. And then he ends up going and winning this race, dominating 254 of the 301 laps. Now, I think Denny Hamlin was on the pole. I think that's what they were going to go. Uh, Denny Hamlin was scheduled to go off. But, you know, I kind of was like, okay, yeah, you're you're kind of seeing the Toyota strength here at a flat track, so to speak. But, you know, when everything got changed up this past weekend with the, the rain and they have flooding rain uh, from the way I understand it in New Hampshire, I know that uh, Claire B. Lang and some of the others, um, some of the other reporters and so forth have put on Twitter and some other uh, news outlets and stuff. Some of them were not even sure they were going to be able to make it to the race today because they were kind of inundated with rain, water, flooding and everything else and thus preventing them from maybe getting back to the track. They had went ahead and packed it up on Sunday, but at least it did dry out. I think that was the good thing about it. It dried out, but, you know, what can you say about Truex? I mean, he held the field at bay for the day. I mean, he he dominated in this race and stuff, but it also throws into question the uh, something that was asked of him last week or in the last two weeks. Are you looking at retirement? And he says, I don't know at this point. And then it's like, you go and win the race at New Hampshire. He's won more races already this season than he did last year. He didn't win anything last year. And so we're seeing a, a team right now that's, you know, there's there's a lot hanging out there for Martin Truex to decide, am I going to come back? Am I going to race another year with uh, Joe Gibbs Motorsports and, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing to try to go and and win maybe a, a chance at another title? I don't know. I, I'm, the questions are out there and they're not being answered anytime uh, very quickly. You know, we talk about guys having home tracks and, and in some cases they actually are. In some cases, it's just a track near where they grew up or where they live. This is Martin, New Hampshire is Martin Truex Jr.'s home track. He, his dad raced there. Yep. Um, he, he, he was in the garage as a kid tinkering. He, 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 there's a story that he told over the weekend, I guess, with all the rain and everything else about, you know, walking through the garage and seeing Dale Earnhardt Sr. tinkering yep. on a carburetor. I mean, this, this right. guy grew up in this, on this track and in uh, here. And so, you know, when you mentioned then that this was his 30th career race, he's thinking he might retire at the end of this year. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, this was th this this means a lot for him to get this win. Yeah, it does. And yeah, I've, I've read that same story or that article that was uh, that they were talking about him. Uh, two races more than anything else, I think, meant the world to them. New Hampshire was the first one because of being able to see Dale Earnhardt Sr. tinkering, like you said, with the carburetor. <laughs> and then the other one was. Dover, 
uh, the leftover. Where he's at in New Jersey, he's kind of like centralized between these two locations, going yeah. to Dover and then being able to go up to New Hampshire. And, you know, with this NASCAR modified series and everything that was going on in the in his younger days and so forth and his dad racing, uh, to them, that was just a that was just a great thrill to be able to go up there. And yeah, he talks about something that, you know, is kind of becoming a little bit more dear to my heart when I start hearing these things. And that is talking about Earnhardt, talking about the driver, working on the car, working on parts. Um, I don't know, you know, to this day, I don't know if there's very many drivers in the sport that, that do anything like that. They may talk about the telemetry. They may talk about how the car's handling and so forth, but you know, it's almost like that it's unheard of nowadays for a driver to be able to know how this new next generation car works. And that's kind of where I've called some things into question before Kevin Harvick talking about it and Kevin Harvick jumping on NASCAR's case to a certain degree and saying, "Uh, you don't know what you're talking about with this. And then after I read the information, then I find out, you know, Kevin Harvick's pretty much up on top of these things. He's at least on top of the safety issues and some of the things that are involved with the drivers. But very seldom do you hear of them being able to go in and tinker on their car that much like Dale Earnhardt Sr. did. Yeah. Uh, there was a great quote uh, from post-race from Truex uh, today, too. Uh, you talked about how he dominated the race, led so much. He won the first two stages. 15 laps left. He's he's out in front and in, in control. And one of his teammates on JGR, Christopher Bell, uh, ran to the wall to bring out a caution and uh, overheard on the radio. Truex said, we should have a company policy that says when one of your teammates is leading, don't crash by yourself. I agree uh, with that. <laughs> it's, that's putting it where it is, because all of a sudden that's you got to right. restart and, the, you know, everything bunches back up. He He was able to to dominate after the restart. But yeah, that's, that's the only thing that had any drama was, was that restart. And, you know, and I have to give this uh, also, I have to give the cry in the towel award to Joey Logano out of this because Joey Logano got there and he said, when you're, when you're at your home track, second hurts more than anywhere else. And I guess for him, you know, there, he says, there's no place that I want to win more than here. And I came up one spot short, but you know, that stings, but still have to say it was a good day. Just, just mad right now. Well, I would be mad too. If I, if I came in second place, but that's your home track, but obviously Truex thinks of it more of a home track than what Logano thinks of it as a home track. Yeah. Logano second, Kyle Larson, third, Kevin Harvick, Brett, Brett Keselowski, the top five, uh, Kyle Bush had a rough weekend. Uh, uh, he was forced to drive the backup car because uh, he suffered damage in practice and in qualifying. And then uh, with the backup car, he hit the wall early in the race, and he only went 71 laps, finished dead last. Yep. And, you know, what's interesting is, at least from what I'm seeing, no fiery quotes from Kyle Busch. So this is, again, this is a different era, Kyle Busch. Yeah, I, I, think, he's, I think he's been reined in to a certain degree. Yeah. And I don't think it's been uh, – I don't think it's been something that – he has taken lightly. I think it's something that he has come to the conclusion, you know, you make a better race car driver by going out there and just proving what you can do on the track and then quit whining about all these different things. And I don't know if Richard Childress has just set him straight. I don't know if the PR bunch has just got there and they're trying to, you know, quieten him down. He's 
right now he's one of the elder statesmen, if you want to call him that, of racing right now. And that's kind of the role he needs to be in. But, you know, you talk about that being such a, uh, you know, surprise that we don't see or hear a lot of good quotes out of Kyle like we did in years past when I've covered, you know, Kyle Bush at Augusta Free Press or with the Augusta Free Press down at Bristol. Uh, I've heard some of the smartest remarks. I've heard some things that, uh, I, you know, it's been bad. It's been bad what he said. And now it's just like he's he's gotten, and, and I say this quote, I say this when I quote this um, very much. I say it in tongue in cheek, but I also say it seriously. It seems as though he's gotten religion. And I don't know how it's happened, but he has some way, somehow been awakened. I don't know if he's practicing his Zen when he's at home or whatever, but he just doesn't do this anymore. And I think that's that's a big difference. And then also on the flip side of this, uh, we're hearing more of this frustration from uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott uh, trying to claim a playoff position after missing six races this year, struggled throughout most of the race today. Uh, Elliott conceded that after he qualified, he wasn't particularly optimistic about his number nine Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet this weekend. Well, that's a fine how do you do to your race team. I just don't think the car is good enough to get through the race. Uh, Somebody better be lighting a fire under this young man, and they better be doing it quick because – it's almost as if, if the car is not ready, I'm not going to give my full 100% out of it. I just don't think it's worth it. But then on the, you know, we talk about the same thing with Kyle Busch. You know, he kind of made a comment too, that I think that was pretty much sums up the way New Hampshire is. He lacked right rear grip the whole time. And it's been that way the whole time they've been there. And he wasn't giving excuses to his crew chief or, you know, to the crew itself. It's just the fact that they couldn't find the right thing to dial into to get that grip that they needed to. And he says, you just couldn't get the right in the right rear feel in the track. He said, you just keep going along, trying to keep it under, under you as much as you can without it flying out of there. He said, I hate it for our team. Our Chevy stuff was off this week, but we'll get back at it at Pocono. And that's where they're going this coming week to the uh, hills and the, the mountains in Pocono. Bush with that last place finish, still in fifth overall standings. Right. Um, Martin Truex Jr. with the win. He's solidifying first place. William Byron in second, Christopher Bell in third, Denny Hamlin in fourth. Now, there was also some movement down towards the cut line for the 16 team first round of the playoffs. Uh, a couple guys moving back in, a couple guys moving, falling back out. Bubba Wallace is in 15th. He was, he was on the other side of the cut line last week. Michael McDowell, 16th. He was on the other side of the cut line last week. Uh, Daniel Suarez in 17th, AJ Allmendinger 18th, Ty Gibbs 19, Alex Bowman 20. And you mentioned Chase Elliott, he's still languishing down there. He didn't make any movement yeah. this week. He's in 23rd, way yeah. back there. I mean, that's a guy that you're used to seeing in the top, not just in the, in the top 16, but usually around, you know, the top two or three. Yeah. And, you know, that concerns me. I mean, that concerns me. It should concern all of Elliott's fan base right now. At this team, it just seems like they don't have it all together. They just don't have everything going for them right now at this point. Um, I think another thing you mentioned in the cut lines and different things in there, Suarez and everybody, we're starting to get a really, I think, a tight points race between if the season were to end as we go into the month of August, William Byron and Martin Truex. It's very tight in there. 
And if the regular season was the end part of the season for NASCAR, um, Byron and Truex would be fighting to try to survive to win a championship out of it. Now, I know when the playoffs happen, everything's going to kind of be in a different format. They're still going to be out there of what they've got to do, but it's kind of that same mentality, that win to get in. That's what they have to do to be able to qualify on down the line. And uh, I think with the way Truex has been racing, I think with the way Byron's been racing, uh, these are two guys you better not count out. Uh, they may have some things happen here in the rest of the regular season. Uh, they may have some major things go wrong after this playoff start. But uh, these two guys, uh, they're fighting for it right now. They're fighting for it. And everybody else is just kind of scrambling to fit in when one of those or both of those top runners out of that uh, out of that race fall down they're ready to jump on that new spot and somebody get in that new spot and take over and just, you know, add a little bit more insult to injury each week. If they can keep up with what they're doing in the pace. So you mentioned that the, uh, this coming weekend, Pocono is the uh, location. Chase Elliott is technically the defending race winner, Mm -hmm. uh, from last year. Actually, Denny Hamlin won the race and Kyle Busch was second, but they both failed inspection and were DQ'd. So, Chase Elliott was the top finisher who didn't get DQ'd and, and he got the win. Um, he would need a repeat. I mean, he, he desperately needs a, re- a repeat yeah. of what he did last year at Pocono. At, at this stage, Elliott needs a win or two to get himself back in contention. Uh, what do you expect this weekend at Pocono? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think last year's race was tape gate. I think, I think that was over right. the tape. That sounds, that sounds familiar, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, sound, it reminds me, that's what I'm thinking of, that it was tape gate. And when I say tape gate, it was just because a little bit of the vinyl, something, uh, an, an un, I don't know, gave the, the driver an, an, uh, an advantage over, I'm like, I'm scratching my head at that one. I'm still uh, wondering how in the world could that be an advantage? But it, they said it was something the way that um, they put it on. They put it on the car and it gave an advantage out of it. But, uh, you know, at Pocono, um, you know, I really wouldn't rule out Ryan Blaney. Uh, Ryan Blaney has drove really well at Pocono in the past, and I think he also has a win there at Pocono. Uh, but um, I really think that uh, Team Penske needs something right now. They need a little bit of an extra boost. They're not getting it with Austin Sendrick, even though Austin Sendrick is – tied family-wise with Team Penske and stuff. Uh, Austin's dad is like the chief of motorsports operations running everything. Tim Sendrick is his name. Uh, So I don't know if Austin Sendrick will really come out out of that, but Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney are at a point right now that I think that um, Ryan Blaney realizes he's got to win some races here, more than just what he's already won, but he has to stay you know, significant in this uh, race for the points. The second thing is uh, Joey Logano needs something too. I mean, he's, he's kind of come out of the gate at the beginning when we had the, the, the clash out at the Coliseum, he's raced and won a couple of races, but it's still just not the same. It's almost like we're in a lull with Penske right now, right before the playoffs are getting ready to hit. So uh, I kind of think that Ryan Blaney or maybe even a Joey Logano could pull this off. Um, right now, I don't know. Um, 
unless Kyle Busch and them get back on the winning track again and they are able to bring a good car with them to uh, to Pocono, um, I don't know. They may be in a little bit of a lull uh, the same way. Uh, but Truex, yeah, I think Truex is hot right now. Uh, he could end up with another win this year. Byron could end up with another win. Uh, I think we're starting to see everything kind of sort out. I wouldn't rule out a Kevin Harvick race either, even though uh, we were going to talk about this a little bit too, and I guess you heard the news last week. Um, Ross Chastain ends up getting all of the Bushlight sponsorship that was previously with Stuart Haas Racing. Um, I think that's going to affect this team a little bit uh, as they go down the line. It's almost like Kevin Harvick's now a lame duck driver in his you know final season. He's retiring after this. And so is his sponsor, but they're going to somebody else, and it kind of adds insult to injury. So um, I think Harvick would uh, try anything he could to possibly pull off a big win, and especially in his last year. I'm looking at the weather forecast. This is the only bit of bad news for Martin Truex Jr., who's won twice this year on Monday. Oh, no. No rain on Sunday. It's going to be okay. nice. Looks like uh, I'm looking at the forecast for Pocono Raceway, Pennsylvania, uh, 79 and sunny. I got 79. Wow, that's that's oh, amazing. That's, that's comfy up there. That's that is you comfy. Know. Yeah, the real feel of 84. That's like crisp fall weather almost yeah. <laughs> this time of year. So no, no rain. It should, it, which is good news for NASCAR fans, right. obviously. As much as I joke there. Uh, you know, these Monday races are just are just hell. I mean, for the people who are there, for people who want to watch on TV, you know, you, you can't you can't really, you know, give up your day job. So uh so yeah, it should be good weather. Um and uh yeah, we're I mean, we're at the final six races. This is the the first of the last six races going into uh the cut line for the playoffs. So not a lot of stuff going on between now and, and the end of August. And and this that makes every race magnified in terms of where it plays a, a factor in the standings. You know, I don't know if this is something like I'm having a, a Nostradamus moment or something like this, but you know that Pocono is one of the most isolated racetracks in the mountains, in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, okay? And I don't know if you've gone back and you can watch uh, you know, clips from previous years and stuff. There's been deer that have jumped across the track and went across the track before. If I'm not mistaken, I think they they had to almost stop the race because of a groundhog. You know, running along the track as groundhog or something like that, a fox or something. But uh, yeah, uh, you just don't want to what to expect because Pocono's been clean for a while. I've, I've not had anything, you know, not seen anything that has drastically happened. But uh, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows what could end up happening? You you kid about the rain and stuff with Martin Truex. You know, Mark Drex could win a race all because of a deer jumping out on the track or something. I don't know. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You're thinking there might be a critter uh, factor here that we may have to take into account for Sunday. Hey, if we haven't had any for a while, you know, we might be due as far as that goes. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. I think that was, I think that was the year. I think when the deer jumped across the track, I think that was when um, Kyle Petty was driving for uh, Felix Sabatis in the Mellow Yellow Car. And he radioed back to, uh, I think it was Barry Dodson or uh, not Barry Dodson, but, um, oh gosh, can't think of his name now. Gary, um, he used to be the pit crew. Um, he used to be the crew chief. He told him, said, there's a deer just jumped across the track. 
what are we going to do instead? They just said, avoid it. Just try your best to avoid it. It just kept on trotting around, but they slowed down. They had to slow down. And that's, that's the hard part at Pocono too. When they build up so much speed, there is no turn four. It's what they refer to as that tricky triangle. And they go from that front stretch and they build up speed. And then they get into that turn two back there. And then on that back stretch back through there, they really build up a lot of speed. And so then it kind of goes into the turn coming out of three and they have the uh the famous moniker that's on the outside of the wall what turn four that's what everybody expects and then they're coming down through there they're they're this is a track that um unleashes a lot of speed when you least expect it and so if they have good weather if it's just a little bit warm the tires can stick maybe kyle bush will have a, a day of where maybe he can get the the rear end and the right side to at least stick to the track a little bit better and they'll see how they can how they can go with this but anything can happen at Pocono I have twice hit deer uh in, in driving on the road uh fortunately both times were uh, you know everything turned out okay but I cannot imagine being in a NASCAR car going the speeds they go and then being in a race and hey there's a deer hopping across the track here I, I just can't imagine what the the shock that would bring uh, with all those cars out there going those speeds, that that's it, that's amazing. It would scare me to death. I can't begin to imagine what would be left yeah. of the deer or a car. Yeah, you know, yeah. through there. I mean, it would you know, deer with the impact and everything else. Oh my gosh! I mean, he'd like crush in the front end almost completely and stuff. There wouldn't be anything. The motor. I mean, it would be. I've just, I've waited for something like that to happen. I mean, I've seen how the cars are when they hit each other, yeah, uh, but it's just, oh, wow. That, that would be unreal to see something like that. It would be. Yeah. We, let's not see it anytime soon. So, well, Rod, as always, thank you for your time and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks.